When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I would actually just say, do you know what I've no- where I've noticed that you do hear clipped mm. British accents is on train, train announcements. Mm. Specific to Southern Railway. It's, mm. it's like, this is the Southern service to Brighton. Yes. She says Brighton. with a Calling at Clapham Junction. Haywards Heath. East Croydon. Essex. And London, Victoria. <laughs> Burgess Hill. Yeah. And then Southeast, Southwest train service is kind of, you know, Waterloo. And then, oh, the one, wait, sorry, massive detour yeah. on trains now. The Paddington one, the one that goes Great Western Railway that runs west through Paddington to Reading and yeah. Exeter and a train Bristol. Frequent. A, a train frequent to go home is more like, welcome aboard yeah. the Great Western <laughs> Railway. And they'll be like, calling it. Reading, like they're so excited. <laughs> Didcot Parkway, <laughs> so Bristol, Temple Leeds. I'm like, no one has ever been that excited to go to Reading. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad they you are. are. They're like, you we bought a ticket for 700 pounds. Come. Yeah. So I was in um, Bulgaria over the weekend for a stag do. Stag doing Borovets, mm. which is um, I won't be rude about Borovets, but it's it's, it's not like skiing in other parts of Europe. It's a little bit that Soviet. That comment makes you sound. <laughs> it makes you sound like <laughs> an asshole, but uh, it is very different. Way cheaper, which I can't uh, talk sure. about. The the customer service experience in Bulgaria is quite unique. Whether it's like hotel reception, waiter, airport security, and so I'm, I'm, I'm on my on my way home in Sofia Sofia Airport. And I'm going through security, and it's like very austere, very Soviet passport control, immigration bag check-in, and I get to security. And I pride myself on being quite fast when I go through security. Like, I fly a lot, kind of like George Clooney up in the air vibes, but nowhere near as good looking. And this, uh, it's kind of like a very lo-fi security thing. It's a guy with trays, like to belt, this, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I get there, I've got my laptop out already, jacket off, yeah. belt. I'm, I'm ready to put my stuff in a tray, and I put my stuff in the tray, and he looks at me and he goes, you have a gun? And I thought, I'm chewing gum. And I thought he meant gum. And I went, oh, yes, sorry. And I took the gum out of my mouth. He's like, no, no, you have gun. And I was like, gun. And he's like, mm-hmm, you have gun. And I was like, no. And then he, and then he half smiled and then just went. <laughs> and just like nodded his head, like off I you like go. That. He was just playing fun with you. He, he yeah, just bored. that's his sense of humor. Like, yeah. you have gun. Just like, to see you scrub. No, yeah, just to see me scrub. Who wouldn't scrub? You know what? I did leave my AK in my bag. Yeah. I'm so yeah. sorry. Threw it in the bin outside the airport. Yeah. Um, hello, and welcome to episode 116 um, of Pulp Kitchen. If you're a new listener, welcome. Thanks for joining us. I uh, hope you've had a great week. If you're a regular listener, great to have you back. We are here to talk about two films this week. Well, mm-hmm. sort of. 1.5 films. We talk about Bob Marley, 
the Bob Marley One Love. By the way, um, when the BBFC title came up, it's not what Bob Marley colon One Life. No, One Life. One Love. Yeah. No. One Love. One Love. It's Bob Marley One Love. Bob no, Marley One Love. Bob Marley One Love. We don't know Bob Marley, if it was one Marley One. It was, love. It, yeah, it could have been Bob Marley One Love. love. It's, uh, that's what I've seen, and I'll be reviewing that. <laughs> and oh, Bob Marley One. <laughs> Love, love. nil. <laughs> um, it's a tennis match. Um, love, yeah, thank you. Uh, and we'll also be talking about Madam Web, which, full disclosure, we've not seen. seen. Neither of us have seen. But what we wanted, to, we'll talk about this when we get to the review. We have something for you. But don't we worry. wanted to, in case you have seen it as a film reviewing show, we have we have got it for you. So we have got an We're external external contribution coming in for that segment. Outsourced, so stay, really? Yeah, out, we've outsourced <laughs> the review to someone to, to a friend of the show. But it's gonna be great. So stay tuned for that. Shall we crack on with some films, James? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, guys, one of the biggest films that's out this week is Madam Web, part of the Marvel slash Sony verse, the Morbius verse, the soon to be Craven the Hunter verse. Mm, wow. It's starring Sydney Sweeney, it's starring Dakota, um, Johnson. Dakota Johnson. And look, neither of us have seen it. No. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is that we've heard it's absolutely t- shockingly bad. Yeah, 16% of Rotten Tomatoes at the moment. And the other reason is that. Mostly because of that, me and George just genuinely weren't interested in seeing it. Yeah. But we're interested in covering it. Yes. And we found that when we reviewed films of this certain type that are not very good, it becomes very easy to kind of just sit here mm. and roast it. Yes. But we do want to cover it for you guys. We do want to, as a film podcast, have something to say so you guys can have your own impression of Madam Web. One of our film friends who you've seen on our account from the Film Bites is Henry Calvert. He's at henry.calvert on Instagram. He's very funny. Do go and follow him on social yeah. media if you don't already. He does all things nerd culture, comic books, Dune, everything. He just absolutely loves it, and he's, and he's brilliant. Yeah. We've decided, because he recently saw Madam Web, you yes. had, had he got a chance to see it early, we're going to call him up on the show and ask him his opinion of Madam Web, and his review will serve as the Pop Kitchen review. Yes. And likewise, we'd obviously still love to hear your thoughts if you write them in. So this way, you guys get a review from someone who is invested in these films yes. and wants to, wanted to see it, and you get his views without us needing to fake a review for something that we aren't j- weren't interested in in the first place. I was also away. George, we just didn't want to force it. What, yeah, it was, it was very think, forced. Without, so this shouldn't be always be true, but I think I already know How what I would it. say yes. on it. Yeah. So it's just a bad ROI on our time. But nonetheless, guys, we are going to cover it. We're going to do it. So Henry, George, if you'd like to place the call to Henry now. So he's driving. Henry. Hello, is this Pulp Kitchen by any chance? You are live with Pulp Kitchen indeed, Henry. Hi, Henry, how are you? Wow, oh my gosh, I'm honoured. And you're driving on the road at the moment, so you're in transit, right? I am currently on my way back from the big city, uh, back to North Yorkshire, um, because the UK train system uh, is not very good at the minute. Um, so I've been forced to drive down um, for a few events this week. Well... We thought it'd be really good as a way to distract your journey, to give you something to think about for us to talk about Madam Web. Tell it to us straight. You're, you're a guy who really likes these, you know, you're invested in this world. What did you think of Madam Web? Um, I think it could quite possibly be one of the worst films I've ever seen and by far the worst superhero film wow. I have ever seen. Wow. And I've seen Van Forstick. Like, <laughs> no, beats Van Forstick. Um, I would say, you know, I was racking my brain about this earlier, and I think 
fan four stick kind of hurts me more personally because I care about the Fantastic Four a lot more than I do yeah. Madame Web like mm. as as a character. But fundamentally, I think Madame Web is just much more of a flawed film. Like nothing, nothing in it works. You mm. can critique essentially every aspect of it. Um, it's terrible. It is utterly terrible. Is it one of those movies that, like, when when the end of humanity happens and, like, you know, the aliens come and the planet's on fire and, and the fall of civilization happens, people will think, well, it's not all bad because Madame Webb won't survive. Is it, like, that bad? I would say so. It's, it's, it's so bad, you gain no ironic enjoyment from it. Oh, and, and that's, that's cutting. That, that's bad. Henry, can I ask uh, where this sits in relation to Morbius? It's sort of a uh, cousin oh, film of the same, the same studio. I think it's worse than Morbius. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot less than Morbius. Yeah. Um, I think Morbius is uh, at like a, a 2 out of 10. This is easily a 1 out of 10. This, this is, is not good. Um, I'd rather watch Morbius again. So because Morbius doesn't like, break my brain whenever I try and think about it. <laughs> And does this make you really excited for Craven the Hunter then? Craven the Hunter and Venom 3 are going to be cinematic masterpieces <laughs> in comparison to this film. I like, do not know how they can be any worse than Madame Web. And if they are, I commend them because that a, a whole new low has been set in the film industry. <laughs> Henry, your passion and your candor as ever is much appreciated. <laughs> Um, you see this. You've seen this film, so we didn't have to. We Thank really you, Henry. Appreciate, appreciate it. Oh, any time, guys. Any time you don't want to watch a really crappy superhero, <laughs> we will hold you to that. <laughs> I, I will tell you, tell you it straight that it is bad. Oh and, man. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, go back and watch some of the marketing for this film. Go back and watch some of the press junkets for Madame Web where Dakota Johnson's like, well, people are going to want to see it twice. And it's such a feminist piece and it's so empowering and all this nonsense that I don't even think she's seen the film. I'll no. be completely honest with you. Can I ask, is there any sort of scenario where people maybe as part of a drinking game get together over a few beers? Does it have any merit if you were to sit down and laugh at it in any capacity or is there just nothing even ironically to be enjoyed by it? I think the first 10 minutes, uh, <laughs> me, 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 me laughed a lot in the first 10 minutes. But then it's, it's like, really, it's like eating a McDonald's, okay? Like a McDonald's, is an, in fact, no, that's an injustice to McDonald's. It's like eating like a 3am pizza place, okay? 3am pizza is really bad. Wherever you get it, it's really bad. But for those first 10 minutes, you know, it's all right. You're really drunk and you're scrambling away quite happily because, it, you know, it, it, it does its job. It's After those first 10 minutes, there is no ironic enjoyment because it just keeps going. Like, the bad dialogue keeps going. The bad acting keeps going. The poor CGI. The, the dubbing, for some reason, is off. Like, the, <laughs> wow. the say something on screen and, and you'll hear a different sentence. <laughs> it, it's... The, the man is clearly a talented ventriloquist. Because, because <laughs> it, it's, it's, oh, man. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Well, Henry, thank you so much. Yeah. Anytime, guys, anytime. Really appreciate let's it. Let's do this again soon. We'll do this again soon. Hopefully see you soon as well in person. Absolutely, absolutely. Would love to. Have a great week, guys. All right. Bye. Cheers, mate. Bye, bye. Well, guys, there you go. 
that was uh, thank you very much Henry as always you can follow Henry at henry.calvert on Instagram yes. and on TikTok he's very very funny very funny very uh, forthright and yeah. open but, but affectionate of generally most things geek and nerdy it's almost like because the, the story of the last in year in a non-toxic way is that the MCU is dwindling they've they've had uh, some failures multiple in a row and when you're spending 200 million dollars a film that that costs yes. a lot of money but it's almost like the Sony-verse is like hold my beer yeah <laughs> I'll show you what a real car crash the looks Sony like. The universe outside of the Venom films has not worked. What I find quite funny about this is that all of the Sonyverse films have been criticized for looking like they came out in 2003. Yeah. And bizarrely, that sort of trickled down to the, the writer's room where they've decided to set Madam Web in 2003 <laughs> yeah. as if that would some sort of counteract it. It looks like it could have be on the uh, on the blockbuster shelf next to De Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like all the, the, same... the bargain. And I actually, th I actually took my De Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Like, compared to this watch, I assume it's not very good. But yeah. Next to Electra. Electra. This yeah. is the Daredevil spin-off. Yes. Well, anyway, that was Madam Web. If you have seen it, uh, it's not done very well at the box office. I think it's made 15 million in its opening weekend, which is bad. I also saw that it has like one of the highest number of edits in a movie ever. Like in terms of like, like cuts per cuts and cut scenes and it. changes and yeah. shots and things because yeah. it looks like it was basically put through what could only be described as a, as a film mincer. I used to work on a meat counter and I used yeah. to put things through a mincer. <laughs> so I, I can imagine you have the, the, the original film which just gets grinded, ground down into mm. this sort of mince meat version of a film. And then they go, well, there you go. I've also seen like there's a couple of uh, social media clips about how they've, you know, they've hired very beautiful actresses and like Sydney Sweeney and the Dakota Johnson and how they've actually been doing thirst trap marketing huh. in like the Russian junkets and like other places to like convince young men to see it. Like there's videos of Dakota Johnson being, like, and I don't want to blame her because I'm sure she's being asked to do what the studio telling her, but she's like, you're going to want to see it more than once because it's everything you dreamed it could be. Oh, wow. And he's literally like thirst trapping young what men to go and see it. What makes me sad is the the villain in this film uh, is played by an actor called Tahar Rahim, who is really, really talented. Mm. And I love him in things. He was he was in Napoleon briefly, but he was in like the Mauritanian and um, the Prophet, uh, a Prophet it's called from like uh, 2009. He's such a good actor. And then I see him in this, I'm like, oh, Tahar Rahim, come also, on. Adam Scott, who I really like, he's a massive nerd and he really enjoys this stuff. And he's quite protective over these things. I'm sure he's also gutted that it just yeah. didn't work out. Anyway, Madam That's Madam Web. But guys, if you had your thoughts, we would genuinely love to hear them. If anyone did enjoy it or uh, if it offended you in different ways, you can send in your thoughts to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and we will, of course, read them out on the show. Okay, let's do Bob Marley, One l Love. Mm. I don't know why I keep tripping over that. I think it's because over here I've written One Life, but One Life is the I movie with Anthony Hopkins it. that we yes. reviewed. So. I think you should insist on saying it with Bob Marley, One Love. Bob Marley, One. Just put gaps everywhere. Bob, do you, do you remember the, the Marley, one love. The uh, Jersey one, Arsenal, oh, Hill, yeah. West Ham, Stockport yes. two, Manchester City, love one. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so Bob Marley, one love. James, Bob Marley, how familiar are you with him? M mildly familiar. Obviously, some of the most iconic and uh, yes. worldwide famous songs of all time. Yes. Um, have listened to Bob Marley casually, maybe in my youth. Yes. But, uh, and I'd appreciate him whenever he's put on. Exactly. I think for, I, I know a bit of Bob Marley. I haven't sat and listened to Bob Marley in years, but... Yeah. I think it's safe to say we all know the words to many of his songs. Probably iconic. Probably some of his songs are would be considered in the top 50 most recognizable yes. songs of all time, comfortably. So Bob Marley, One Love is a film starring Kingsley Benadire playing the Bob Marley and Lashana Lynch playing his wife. Basically, Bob Marley takes place uh, between uh, 
I think it's 1976, and uh, Jamaica is in a period of incredible uh, socio-political conflict. Mm. There is, it's almost like on the brink of a civil war, two warring political parties, warring gangs, violence all around. And in the heat of this context, Bob Marley, who we meet as already an established artist, already a, a huge right. cultural figure, it's straight in, um, is setting up uh, a, a One Love concert to kind of bring together the, uh, this disunity and unify the country in the name of peace. And um, the first sort of act of the film, in a way, plays very much like the third act of a different version of this film. It could easily have been mm -hmm. the third act, where the concert is it, it, it's all setting up, it's about to happen, and then there's an act of violence against Bob Marley at his home, which completely disrupts plans. There's an attempt to do the concert, but we soon find Bob Marley having to basically uh, become an exile, escape from Jamaica mm. and go to the UK and live in London while his wife goes to um, Delaware and live there. In London, obviously culturally alienated in a time of, you know, this is 70s London, this is punk rock, this is, uh, you know, strong... Uh, uh, austere racism everywhere mm. and in this context Bob Marley has the weight on him of being not only a successful musician but being a cultural figure who is having who has the expectation of trying to unify greater political um, uh, events so he ha has this kind of weight of being a figurehead and in that context he starts to work on a new album and he's saying this whole time it has to be different it has to be different it has to reflect other things and it's going on to make what would become the Exodus album. Manager played by James Norton is in there. And you have, that's the kind of basic setup. It cuts back and forth to earlier chapters in Bob Marley's life. Um, so here's the thing. We've had a lot of musical biopics in the past five years. Bohemian Rhapsody, Rocket Man, Elvis, Whitney Houston mm. one. Very hot right now. Very hot right now. And, hit the th and uh, Back to Black soon to come as well, the Amy, Amy Winehouse one. You said Rocket Man. I said Rocket yeah, Man, yeah. yeah. The thing is about... <clears throat> Uh, musical biopics is that often you take a figure who would have begun as countercultural and then broke through and brought the, the mainstream to them. You often have a radical figure, um, maybe not with Elton John, maybe not with Elvis, and probably not with Queen, but someone like Amy Winehouse is not main, wasn't mainstream at first. Yeah. And Bob Marley wasn't mainstream at first. You know, these are kind of pe people who have great big ideas and principles and kind of radical figures. When you then see that it's a big blockbuster, mainstream, broad brush, textbook, uh, musical biopic is being made about that person. I'm always a bit like, is that just gonna just shave all the edges off of that interesting person? Mm. Where's the nitty gritty in this? Um, so going to see Bob Marley, which I went to see with a friend of mine who's, who's a bit more uh, clued up on Bob Marley, but more invested. I was kind of reticent. I have to say that on the whole, it basically is what I expected it to be. Okay. It is textbook. It is going th through the motions. Not so much as something like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which acts very much like um, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. This uh, Bob Marley, uh, one, on one Love, is it is a big, broad, textbook, mainstream, studio, musical biopic. But I'd be lying if I didn't say it wasn't elevated by a couple of things. Um, first of all, Kingsley Benadire completely loses himself in yeah. Bob Marley, which I really, really like. I, I, I always felt, I always believed this person was a real character as well that worked on screen, not just a representation of someone real off screen. Um, Lashana Lynch continues to be a really magnetic presence. Every time she's on screen, I, I just, I think she's, she's electric and they work really well as a dynamic. Um, there are, 
you know, sick moments of imagery. There's this repeated imagery of a burning crop and Bob Marley as a child running through this burning crop being chased by a shadowy figure on horseback. That kind of is a motif that comes back and back. That, that was quite interesting. Um, but that aside, there are... One thing they do fall in the trap of doing is sanctifying Bob Marley to the point that he almost talks in, like, Facebook quotes. You know, the kind uh, of, like... Yeah. And I think... Uh, I'm not saying that he wasn't a wise place. person. I'm not saying he didn't have those things, but sometimes I would, I, I, I wanted to, it, it, it held him up on such a pedestal that I, that I wanted, it was almost a bit one dimensional. I wanted a bit more mm. drama there. And like, there's a bit where they suddenly go, and you know, there's more to him actually as well. Maybe he wasn't such a good guy. And they kind of do that for one scene. And I go, well, you could have explored that a bit more. Like one thing that you say what you will about Rocky man, but what I like about that is that it's very upfront about being how it's very upfront about how difficult Elton John was as a person yeah. and the ramifications on that, the people around him, this kind of only wants to deal with that for one sort of scene and, and bring it back. Um, even though I like the fact that it's about something more serious than um, against the sort of like pantomime of Elvis or the kind of, mm. uh, maybe you could say the silliness of, of, of rocket man. This is about something more serious about, uh, about Jamaica, about cultural identity, about Rastafarianism. And I, I like the fact that it's trying to engage in that, but, um, what it does lack is actually bizarrely a killer musical moment. Um, now I, 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 am quite l very, very, very lukewarm on Bohemian Rhapsody. And I think it's very nuts and bolts, but what it does have is it does deliver that great 10 minute live aid sequence at the end, which rap absolutely, um, it makes the, almost the film worthwhile and kind of sends you out after the film mm. on a high. And I found really bizarre. There's not a lot of musical performance in this there, right? You know, there's, there's a little bit at the beginning, and then we see him in the studio and I've actually seen people, famous characters trying to work on an album more compelling than that. If anyone wants to see the um, Brian Wilson Beach Boys biopic with Paul Dano, that's really good at depicting oh, yeah. the construction of an iconic album. Less, uh, less so here. And then it builds to a point where you think there's going to be a great 10 minute sequence of music and then it just stops and it ends. Wow. And I felt quite ber ber like bereft of a moment there. I'm like, it's a musical biopic. We all want to hear the songs. We all want to see Especially if it's perform. been withheld, right? Exactly. Um, which, is a real, which is a real shame. Um, I think, yeah. So, so, so interesting in the sense that good performances, um, uh, trying to take on a, a weightier issue, but still very broad brush, not very deep, not very memorable. I will say one thing, actually. I really did admire, they really... Uh, I believe quite authentically from what I've read around it. I wouldn't know. I, I, I've never been to Jamaica, but the the accents are incredibly specific and I believe accurate. Mm. And I like the fact that it made no concessions to its audience. But there were a couple of times where I lost some of the dialogue because the accent was so thick. And even yeah. though it, I, even though I, that can, could be annoying, I actually admired the fact that they were committed so much to making an accent that authentic and that believable yeah. they were making a concession to its audience so there you go I think if you really like Bob Marley well the friend I saw with who really liked him thought it did him a disservice thought it was shallow but I don't know it's 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 fine if we're to be very cynical the, the music biopic is an attempt to go this person's music is worldwide famous and popular yeah. therefore there is a market for a film about their life and obviously like some are better than others but they're like Bohemian Rhapsody I found a bit 
I didn't really get to the heart of it yeah. and again but that sequence is amazing and there's, yeah, a, there's the a second enjoyment of that final sequence where you compare it with someone on YouTube has lined yeah. it up to the original yeah. and you really can get blown away by it but um, yeah like I, I'm not, not that interested to see it based on based on that review I think Kingsley Ben-Adir is good into what He's I've seen him in and Lashana Lynch as well um, it also does that thing which I find quite jarring which is like Kingsley Ben-Adir is, is a performer and then when he sings as Bob Marley it's Bob Marley's voice which I, ca- I actually find quite oh. jarring because they don't sound... I don't believe when he sings that it sounds like Kingsley Benadir, the was character. It? So, like, Rami Malek doesn't actually sing a lot of the uh, Freddie Mercury stuff in Bohemian Rhapsody, but what they did, they mixed Fred, um, they mixed Rami Malek's voice with a little bit of Freddie Mercury's voice and an impersonator that they found on YouTube. Oh, wow. So you, what you get is not Freddie Mercury's voice, mm. but you also get something that sounds like it could be from the person you are seeing. Whereas when I was watching Kings and Benadir, as soon as he started singing, my head's going, that's the guy from Spotify. But I, that's yeah, Bob Marley from yeah, Spotify. Yeah. That's not the real Bob Marley. Whereas in Rocket Man, I don't think Taron Egerton sounded like... Uh, uh, Elton no. John at all, but it, it works. I, it, it works because he's preference. he's a good performer and he he really goes for it. I thought that's fine. He doesn't sound exactly like him, but the performance regardless works. And also, that, and he was singing it in very different contexts to yes. what you would have heard on Spotify. But that also works for me when it, when they are actually singing it because they, it's the um, it's that character you've seen on screen. Yes, using their voice. The way your brain does it is not a disconnect. Whereas yeah. if you just suddenly it's like turning the track off, I actually found out that even though I, I saw the trailer for the back to the Amy Winehouse back to black film oh, yeah, beforehand, yeah. I thought that was Amy Winehouse's voice over the trailer. But apparently it is actually oh, wow. uh, Melissa Abreu, uh, Melissa Abreu, Marissa, sorry, Marissa Abreu. Um, Amy Winehouse her, her singing very it. distinctive voice. Yeah, and apparently yeah. she is actually singing in it. So anyway, that's that's one musical buy picked down for the year. It's all right if you have seen. Bob Marley, one love. Bob, Mar- yeah, that equal spacing there. Yeah, Bob, Bob Marley, Marley, one love. love. Let us know. At Hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. So I had a three hour flight which to is Borovets, to, to, to Soviet, to, which is a great uh, duration to watch a film because yeah. you've got. 15 minutes or so either side of seatbelts and, and drinks and faff. Mm. And in the middle, you've got clean you've got two and a half hours of, of solid film watching time and uh, i decided to put on society of the snow very heavily recommended not a plain movie george i, I, I mean i mean like I, I knew the plot but obviously i start watching this and i'm like oh dear yeah, <laughs> yeah. i know what's gonna happen to this plane and if you've seen it um uh, please go check out george's review first of all he reviewed it uh, a few weeks ago and gave it gave it great praise and a lot of people have written in have also praised it so i did want to get to it and the, the scene of the crash it's just a spoiler it's quite terrifying when I say I was clenching as I was watching it, looking at like the knees and yes. the seats, and the sounds. Yeah. I, I was I had a window seat and I was looking out the window and you know you just see the wing flapping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god. Anyway, context of what I saw it apart. It's really I really did think yeah. it's very good. The concept of Society of the Snow, I think, is a really easy sell. Plane crash, plane crashes, people have to survive in the middle of the Andes with no food and no chance of being rescued. Like that's a very easy to sell. But what I think is way harder to do is to tell a very mm. sort of intimate and personal tale mm. and really get people to feel something. And that's exactly what this film does. I was just constantly surprised by how good the writing was. Mm. And there's a brilliant use of voiceover that sort of sandwiches all of these different scenes together. And the more and more it goes on, it feels like poetry mm. washing over you as you watch it. There are particular scenes of mine. I thought the photography scene mm. really got to me and the moments where they exchange notes and them justifying the things that they have to do mm. to survive. And it was incredibly powerful and it ends on a really, really 
moving note. Yeah. And I just thought, brilliant. Entertaining in that sort of Netflix elevator pitch way, yeah. but also really delivers a fantastic heartbeat with great performances. Mm. And yeah, visual visuals brilliant. Every time they, they showed everything from above, you realize how far away they mm. are. Yeah. Every time they try and sort of climb up something to get context for where they are, you just go, oh my God, I cannot believe yeah. the situation that they're in. Yeah. But, and, and then sort of like trying to tackle what these people are doing to survive, I think yeah. it's a really difficult thing to do, to tell that story and honor the people who had to do what they had to do. Mm. But it totally worked and you, you feel every single decision that they have to make. Yeah, do very you, good. Do you? Did how much of the story did you know without revealing to those? I didn't know what they what they had to do to survive okay, at cool. all. So that was totally. I didn't being, know how it would end. Didn't know how it would end. Yeah, didn't know. Yeah. Didn't know at all. But just really, really moving. And everything about the film that was honoring uh, film and cinema and capturing and photography as telling a story has a wonderful meta feel to it as you're watching the story being told really well. And yeah. it's, they want to try and get people to understand what happened. And you're watching a film that does actually yeah. communicate to you why it was effective in telling you what happened. So there's a nice sort of heartwarming mm. feel to that. It has got quite a, I mean, I, I'm really, I'm really glad you liked it yeah. because I, when I think about it, it's like got a balance of re really great tender emotional moments and then real kind of, uh, you know, visceral, horror, uncomfortable scenes of terror. Mm. Of I mean, it's not just, and you'll see when you watch something, it's not just the plane crash at the beginning. There are severe challenges that they have to face. One particular yeah. sequence in the middle, you're like, Ugh. So yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's but it's an amazing story. Yeah. So thank you for, for sort of recommending it to us. And if you haven't seen it yet, please do definitely go and check it out. It is it is long, but it's uh it's definitely a, a great it, it, watch. I thought though it used its time. It, yeah. I, I when I was watching, I thought, oh well, we've got a lot to cover here because yeah. they they are stuck and yes. for them, you're watching characters who for every minute is valuable. Yes. So it's yeah. not a film that feels baggy because every moment is desperate. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Society of the Snow. Anyway, let's move on to some emails. As always, guys, if you wanted to send your emails into the show, you can do by emailing into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Just like Andrew did. Andrew writes in and says, Dear, James, uh, Dear George and James, in brackets, alphabetical order. Oh, very good. I've been a regular listener to the show for half a year now. Keep up the good work. Nice. Actually, I'm a university professor. And I, if you are a university professor, are you also curmudgeonly? Like yes. in American fiction and dream scenario and the Please whole thing. Please elaborate. Are you too smart for every, your own good? Every university <laughs> professor on film is always unhappy. Yeah, my, um, my university professors were usually in good spirits. Oh yeah, I had a real, I had a real, I had a couple of characters in mine. Yeah. Oh yeah, real. Yeah. Like, oh, I had one. Uh, I, I, I had an American literature seminar guy who was very, he was very jaded and cynical about everything. It was, uh, this, it, it was the same time the Great Gatsby film had come out, and I remember uh, he spent half a seminar just ripping into it. And I was like, well, I thought it was quite an artistic flair. It almost sounds like Paul Giamatti in the holdovers. Anyway, yeah. um, Andrew says, I'm a university professor, and I used one of your clips. In, in brackets, the one where you impersonate reporters from various news outlets. Oh, yes. Uh, nice. Yes. In class, because I thought you nailed the aesthetics. Oh, well. I thought I would just share a quick thought. I watched Nyad last week and I really enjoyed it. I reviewed Nyad, everyone, on a uh, bonus a couple of weeks ago. Go check it out. Uh, but I thought it offered a useful comparison point to Maestro. Mm. As part of your critique of Maestro, you said it didn't do enough to show us what Bernstein's ach achievements were. I absolutely agree. By contrast, Nyad is incredibly effective and shows exactly why it's so difficult to swim mm. from Cuba to Florida. Yeah. Yeah, it does actually, yeah. It teaches us about the craft of swimming. How I wish Bradley Cooper had done the same for co conducting and composition. Um, I actually, that's such a good point. Whiplash for jazz drumming as well. Making it distinct from other drumming yes. and the demands of being able to play in like the top New York musical school at that, it like, 
Yeah. Yeah. Even like Top Gun Maverick about yeah. like the G force. Totally. So like, oh yeah, that would be really hard to do that. And it thing. was basically a New Hope, but the the, the whole yeah. like graphics, the GFX they used in uh, Top Gun Maverick. So like, I understand exactly what they have to do, and they're training yeah. for it in a in a false environment that will be replicated for the real thing. Not just building some sort of uh, mystical about uh, this person was a genius, so he was good at composing. But anyway. Yeah. But I wonder, Andrew says, do you think there's something inherently more challenging about depicting a relatively cerebral art form like co- composing music than a physical feat like swimming? Cheers, Andrew. Well, I guess, like, visually, it's easier to show a physical challenge, boxing, swimming, sports movie. Yeah. But uh, I think it is it is possible and very, very entertaining when someone can tackle a cerebral form like you guitar. Can, you can also with, I believe, and again, I'm not a film director, with editing and, like, using, like, how you manipulate the strings and the notes on the page and how that lines yeah. up you, you could get really creative and show with the with a gesture yeah. how that affects like 60 60 musicians in front of you i also would say um look at what nolan did with oppenheimer mm. that's a physicist right yes. a theoretical physicist that, that, you know on paper that's the driest thing for most people that there is yeah. right dry subject ideas that no one watching can but understand i watch oppenheimer and i understand i know i might not understand it intellectually but i understand it sort of emotionally mm. and aesthetically how his brain was working in the context of how his mind a particular i actually really like that first half that first bit of Apple, spinning it, in the atoms and when he's them. in oxford and he's and his and his mind is sort of unfocused and mm. like i understand now kind of uh the challenges, even though I can't explain it, I kind of feel it, which which, which works. But and Oppenheimer never explains to you how they make a nuclear bomb, probably for legal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> probably because no, it's probably really hard to do. But there's never a moment where, like, what we did is we got the hydrogen and we just cracked it with a good old. Yeah, like, you don't know yeah, how they yeah. spin it. It's still the. Um, plutonium. But like you know, when they like lower the uh, the little silver bar in, and you hear the crackling. Yeah. Even though I don't know what they're doing, I'm like, oh, careful. Um, I feel a lot of pressure now that um, we have a university professor listening. Oh, yes, absolutely. Did we pass? Did we get a first? That would be very good. See me, could do better. Thank you, Andrew. This next one is from Warren, who writes in relating to when you rewatch Band of Brothers. You can check out George, who uh, recently rewatched it, and there's a video up on our YouTube and on the podcast. He says, Thank you for your service. The Band of Brothers series is one of my favorite rewatchable shows, along with Friday Night Lights. Yes, weird combination, I know. I completely love how personable the characters and stories become, and to camera a piece. Uh, the two camera pieces are incredibly powerful. And yes, if you can make it through the baseball game without shedding a tear or 20, then you're a monster. Yeah. Karehi from Warren in Sydney. Thank you, Warren. Thank you very much. This next email from Robin uh, about Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, Robin writes in and says, hope you're both well. Um, this is... So Ro- Robin writes in about asking us to do a spoiler cast for Anatomy of a Fall. And, and um, thank you for writing in, Robin. And I appreciate it. I... It's the kind of thing that we both love Anatomy of a Fool, but it has been probably too long now since we've seen it to properly do a spoiler podcast. Mm. I, I, I think both of us would happily watch that film again in the future, and I'm yeah. absolutely keen to show it to, to Anna. And once I have done that, I'll happily do a little spoiler chat for us if we need, if, if yeah. you'd like to, because it's clearly something you want to talk about. And you really pick up on your email here, Robin, about like, the dynamics between people. But even in you writing about it, I'm like, God, I don't, I don't quite remember that dynamic. It's dense. Quite... It's a dense, yeah. dense film. Like, so, straight away, as soon as they start forensically going through the house, there are details there. So I possibly in the future, but not for the time being. Sorry. Next up, Jonathan writes into the show and says, Hi, gents. Hope you're well. Writing what is now my third email to you and now seems like it is an annual tradition of some sort. After hearing your American fiction review, I felt like I had to write in to propose a different perspective. We reviewed that a couple of weeks ago. George, safe to say we weren't super impressed with American fiction. A bit underwhelmed. Elements we liked, not... I I went in with high expectations. It's more of a family drama than it is a satire, and I think we were underwhelmed by the family drama. Yeah. 
Uh, as someone who, re- uh, uh, Jonathan goes on to say, as someone who really enjoyed the film, I think the most important scene for framing the movie is the analogy of different Johnny Walker brands and the belief that for you to provide something mm. niche, you sometimes have to give something for, to the, for the masses first. Yeah, I think that's yeah, I like that scene. Yeah. As a black person, you are overwhelmed with the amount of films slash books slash shows that constantly review, assess, and comment on the black experience. Moonlight, The Kitchen, Top Boy, I Can Go On. Sometimes you just want a standard story that happens that just happens to have black people in it. That's why the bait and switch approach of the film works for me. The film is having a meta convo with itself, with the director saying that for him to get a black family drama made, he has to sneak it in a film about what it is to be black and the use of black trauma in media. It is not only making fun of the publishing and film industries, but to us as well as an audience as we have created this issue, a joke I enjoyed personally. I do agree that it didn't fully land the plane, but by then the film had already had me as it had balanced the tightrope of satire and earnest family drama well. I always have to say that I love Sterling K. Brown's performance, someone who is trying to find himself but the bitterness that he has for his family still holds him back it just shows enough softness to see that he is breaking inside without going over the top or needing some massive monologue that oscar films tend to have as always love the show and wish you the best friend of the show jonathan thank you jonathan um yeah fair point i mean i i I don't i don't think it's bait and switch because i don't think it's i don't think cord jefferson is setting up the satire as a distraction i think he genuinely is interested in that but he wants mm. to give more time to the family drama which is fine and i get that and i i, I and with sterling k brown i yeah i agree with everything you said i just in a way i think he was more I, he i would have liked more time more, with yeah, him. more more give me more the idea of that the film being itself a satire of itself yeah i think I, I i totally agree with you and i think that's there that almost has to be sort of maybe more clearly telegraphed for me to really go 100 percent. that's that's in there um but yeah, uh, he also goes on to say, P.S. I'd love it if you would do a Kermit Award star like episode where you would select winners for the main Oscar awards with people slash films who are not nominate- nominated, mm. e.g. Greta Lee for Best Actress. You could even do polls on the Insta for people to vote and nominate candidates. I like the, the I, idea of doing I have a poll. Been, yeah, I have, I have been thinking about that. Top Kitchen People's Choice. But for, the, for those, you can't, the criteria is you can't be nominated for an Oscar or a BAFTA. Mm. So kind of opens the field the way well we know who'd be winning best actor wouldn't we andrew scott obviously mm-hmm. this next email is from jake about argyle again argyle a review two weeks ago of which we know the name now was the pattern argyle. which we talk, talked about in the bonus argyle hi james and george second time i think right into the show nearly caught up on your back catalog now back to business though i went to see argyle this week in a double trip to the cinema i didn't enjoy it Everyone else in the screen seemed to laugh and enjoyed a lot more than I did. I just didn't like the action sequences. They didn't excite me. The constant flickering between Sam Rockwell and Henry Cavill annoyed the crap out of me. Yeah, that is really annoying. Like, mm. they basically, like, she'll be looking at Sam Rockwell, then she'll blink, and it'll be like Henry Cavill. And I'm like, uh. snore. Uh, it, it annoyed the crap out of me. It just took me out of it. I also thought the the last... Uh, where Ellie mm-hmm, felt rushed and unnatural. You're telling me I I rolled at that point. Um, That's a spoiler. George isn't having. Yeah, a I'm, I'm not just humming for the fun. I'm covering spoilers. At least with the first Kingsman, the action sequences got me going, and I felt more invested with the characters. Massively, massively disappointed with Argyle. The other movie I saw in my double bill was Illuminations Migration. Oh yeah, the duck movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see that. And I'm like, the duck. Oh look, movie. there's a duck movie. <laughs> wow, that was so much better it made me laugh so many times would recommend it if you haven't seen it already mm-hmm. thanks for your hard work on the show sirens on my end jake well on migration it's not a film we've covered no. probably not a film we're going to cover we're not the target audience we don't have an interest to go in there probably wouldn't be fair on the film if, yeah it wouldn't be fair on the film if we were to uh, review it however nice to hear that it worked for you just gonna skip over to charmaine because we've done band of brothers quite a lot yeah I don't think... next up is charmaine who says hi pop kitchen podcast like that there 
I'm a new listener of your podcast. Well, like, we're, we're a corporation. We're an entity. Oh, yeah. We're not people. I'm a new listener of your podcast, and I've been in just like Dear Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah, Dear Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah. Let's see, yeah. Dear Black Rock. Dear Sunny D. I'm a new listener. Corporate, yeah, yeah. Niche, <laughs> old school. Uh, I'm a new listener of your podcast and I've been enjoying all the videos. I would like to recommend a new show called Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It is a rendition of the yes. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie 2005 movie. This new series is excellent. The cast is I great. Think. Sorry. The cast is <laughs> great. The writing is great. It feels so real and natural and the style and pacing of the show is amazing. I think more people should be talking about this show. It might just be one of the best TV shows to come out in 2024 so far. Please give it a watch if you had not tried it. And if you have, I would love to hear your thoughts of it on the podcast. Best regards, new listener from Singapore. Hello Fantastic. from Singapore. Hello, Singapore. Thank you, Charmaine. Um, I have heard really Same. good things I've as well. I've heard good things. It was a thing that I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge was originally attached to, but then left. But it's Oh, that would have been cool, out. the two of them, because they've got yeah. great chemistry. I think it was like she was doing that sort of writer-actor input that, that she does. And she went to do Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she wanted to go do that. Um, yeah, I've, I've also heard great things. I'd love to, I'd love to try it. Is it now all out? I, we, yeah. yeah, I think Talia fancied it as well, so we might give it a go when we've got time. Hi, James and George. Zoe here from Australia. Hello. Nice. I really like oh, the far the field emails yeah. coming in from wherever Spin you're... Spin the globe and get if, an email. If it's Liverpool or LA or Australia or... Singapore. Or what's a British town beginning with A? Angles. Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Anglesey. Anglesey. Is in Wales, yes. I believe, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Hi, James and George. Zoe here from Australia. I'm a new listener to the podcast, making my way through the back catalogue as we speak. I love your unique format, subject matter, interesting discussion, and comedic banter. Yeah. Thank you very much. But on not uh, and there goes yes. our listeners. No, no, yeah. Not the not not to mention your sophisticated British accents are so easy and but. smoothing uh, so easy and soothing to listen to. Oh, why? Thank you. Why? Thank you. You're listening to BBC Radio Four. Zoe, the pleasure is all ours. I. I I would actually just say, do you know what I've no where I've noticed that you do hear Clint's mm. British accents is on train train announcements mm. specific to Southern Railway. It's mm. like, this is the Southern service to Brighton. Yes. She says Brighton with a calling at Clapham Junction, Haywards Heath, East Croydon, Hassocks, and London, Victoria. <laughs> Burgess Hill. Yeah. And then Southeast Southwest train service is kind of you know, Waterloo. Ascot, and then oh, the one wait, sorry, massive detour yeah. on trains now. The Paddington one, the one that goes Great Western Railway that runs west through Paddington to Reading and yeah. Exeter and a train Bristol. Frequent. A, a train you frequent to go home. is more like, welcome aboard yeah. the Great Western <laughs> Railway. And they'll be like, calling it Reading. Like, they're so excited. <laughs> Dickot Parkway. <laughs> so Bristol Temple Leeds. I'm like, no one has ever been that excited to go to Reading. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad they you are. are. Like, you bought a ticket for 700 pounds. Come. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, Zoe says, I'm curious if you listen to other podcasts in your spare time, if you have any recommendations, love your work and cannot get enough. I do listen to podcasts in my spare time. Um, what I would recommend, uh, that, cause there's, there's plenty I listen to, which are very popular that a lot of you also probably listen to, especially in the UK. I'm going to give a shout out to a podcast called idiot with Laura Clary. She's really funny, especially the ones she does with man and Matthews. They basically spend the entire podcast in some sort of like skitting character and they just freestyle comedy for like an hour at a time and I'll do it. I'll listen to it while I'm watching the dishes and they're just hilariously funny. There's also this one where like man and Matthews was pregnant and she just was half skitting, but also just burst into tears about how hard it is to be pregnant. And I thought that was really good. If you love PlayStation, listen to sacred symbols. It's a four hour plus long weekly podcast all about PlayStation. And I really like that. And then also I've been enjoying the rest is football with Gary Lineker, Mika Richards and Alan Shearer. 
I don't listen to that spread. many podcasts because we are busy doing you this do one. one. <laughs> uh, I'll occasionally listen to a couple of other film ones just to see what their takes are on specific films. Mm. Um, but I would recommend the Adam Buxton podcast for anyone who wants to have a kind of, if anyone's familiar with Mark Maron and the kind of interviews he does, it's like the British version of that. But I find his conversations, Adam Buxton's very enlightening and revealing and casual. He's, he's a very mm. good interviewer he's interviewed a huge range of people as big as people as paul mccartney his richie grant interview is very good because richie grant is so open uh they have a really great conversation about very niche things but it's not off-putting it's very calm open and uh i really recommend i also find um i occasionally listen to Neil, uh, newlyweds now with uh, jamie lang and sophia boo like he, he is he is a bit of a cliche but i do find he always he does he is quite self-aware and he's very good at making fun of himself and a lot of his stuff his dynamic mm. with his wife is really really funny if you just want a casual laugh i check that out but uh, just keep listening to pop kitchen and, of yeah. course yeah top of the list pop kitchen this last one is from friend of the show Khadija. Oh, yes. Khadija, how are you? Welcome. Hi, George and James. I hope you guys are doing well. I got to see Argyle with a friend last week, and I have thoughts. Mm. I agree with George's sentiment that it was an incredibly silly, incoherent movie, but nonetheless, I had fun. I feel a certain application for Vaughan, as he's one of the only filmmakers I know of, I know of that makes fun, cartoonish, spy-slash-espionage films. I am a Kingsman, a secret service truther, not so much The Golden Circle or 2021, mm. The King's Man. Sorry, Harris Dickinson. So I particularly enjoyed moments in Argyle that reminded me of it, especially the color Colourful fight slash dance number near the end. That sounds like something I, I wouldn't be into. Uh, my only complaint... Oh, of course, yeah. My only complaint is that after the initial plot twist where... <laughs> things just kept piling on and there was no room to digest the twist from before. I feel as though they were trying to jam as many cliches in as possible and it just didn't work. Also, I have this very delusional theory that Roxy Morton will make a return in Kingsman 3 based on what happened with Arya... Bl Okay, I'm, I'm not, you I lost do not me there. You. Roxy Morton, is that from Chicago? Yeah, sorry, I've just lost you over the Kingsman thing. So here's the question for you. Is there a filmmaker whose who's movies you'll watch regardless of what they put out because they once made a movie you're obsessed with? TTYL, Khadija, P.S. The J isn't silent. TTYL. Thank you. TTYL, thank. Should we find out? Sorry, we're not cool. Take care. Tick tock, you lot. Tatar, you lot. Oh, okay. Talk to you later. Oh, nice. Yeah, how cool. Any filmmakers that have made a film that I will cont I'll continue to see their films, even though they might not be any good anymore. Mm. Uh, that is a good question. I think I Ridley it's, Scott. It's, it's regardless Ridley of what Scott. they put out. Yeah, you do Ridley always line Scott. up. For Ridley I will. Scott. I, I will go and see a Ridley Scott film, even though his output, I think, in my opinion, is that's been a good shout actually. Recently. Yeah. Fincher, I'd always be interested in Fincher. I mean, he's like a top ten filmmaker. Yeah, like, yeah, that's that's not a yeah. hard one. It's it's someone who's like mm, okay. All right, it's a bit regardless of what they put out. You can say that with with Nolan. You can have mixed reviews on Nolan. I would, but I'd always be excited to see what he's doing. This is a bit of a stretch, but I would probably be open to always seeing an M Night Shyamalan movie. I've had really Ooh. in deep in depth conversations with friends of mine, big film friends, yeah. who passionately defend M Night Shyamalan, not for the quality of his work, but they are like he is a successful auteur director still operating and yeah. you know it's not just about jordan peele it's not just about quentin tarantino m night Shyamalan has found his part in the market he's found his type of content and he's still able to make m night Shyamalan movies mm. for over 20 years right he's only Shyamalan. done one franchise thing which was the last airbender right yeah so really they like defend his right to do that and in a way like even though i think i mean i thought knock at the cabin was was trash oh, um, i i would 
check out. Already. I would go. I would always be curious to see it. I think on principle for that reason because he's out there still doing his thing. You hope that if he manages to pull it off, it would be a really great feat because he's tried something really ambitious and it would work. It's like that. Um, it's like that quote in Zoolander where Hansel's like. You know, I just really appreciate what Sting's doing. I don't listen to his music, but I just like that he's out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. well, there you go, guys. Those are the emails for Thanks. today. We still have plenty to get through. Thank you, as always, for sending them in. Uh, please do keep sending them in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. And like I said last week, apologies if it takes a while for us to get to your email. We do have a lot coming in. We and are. We are trying more. We're trying as much as we can to get read them. Occasionally, we can't read a couple of them out just because of production time. We're very sorry, but we love you listening. And we do read them anyway when they come in. Yes. Managed to read them loud. Thank you very much. James, shall we go and play some games? Let's do it. James, welcome to the games round of Pulp Kitchen. As ever, it's my turn to give you some games. And I thought, we're going to kick it up a notch this year. Let's do it, baby. We're going to kick it up. Yeah. You'll be familiar with Castle's Countdown. Yes. It's a game. It's a, it's a, it's a time-honoured Pulp Kitchen tradition. We we've came played, up with it ourselves. We've played it many, many times. And a fan favourite. What a fun time we've had. Mm. But I was thinking it's episode 116 now. It's time to beat you through the paces a bit. I'm going to lean over onto your treadmill and just push the numbers up right yeah. now and see yeah. you run a bit faster. Yeah. I'm going up. to name for you... We're going to do Castle's Countdown Rapid Fire. Oh, my God. I'm going to name for you three actors, and you have to tell me what film they are in immediately together right okay yeah i mean yeah. i might give you like five seconds but yeah it's like we're gonna name you three actors you have to tell me the Save movie the and then if not next one okay and are these the lead these are sort of the leading actors uh, it's, it's a mixture it's uh, the lead actor will always be in the, in the thing uh, unless the film is very famous but like yeah. but there will be a i've each three should be a mixture of small actor or small role mm-hmm. medium role main large yeah. role okay all right okay i like it let's do, do it. like it it's yeah, gonna yeah. be quick so yeah. i'm just thinking james Guess the movie that stars these three actors. Three, two, one. Dua Lipa, Michael Sarah, and Margot Robbie. Barbie. Yes. Matt Damon, Jessica Chastain, and Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Interstellar. Yes. John Cena, Bill Hader, and Amy Schumer. Trainwreck. Yes. Rami Malek, Florence Pugh, and Robert Downey Jr. Uh, uh, Florence Pugh and Robert Downey Jr. is... Zoe Saldana, Stanley Tucci, and Tom Hanks. Stanley Tucci and Tom Hanks and Zoe Saldana. The Terminal. Oh, yeah. Pedro Pascal, Coleman Domingo, and Dave Franco. Oh, uh, is that... um, No. Oh, no. If Beale Street Could Talk. Oh, okay, well done. Toby Jones, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and Harrison Ford. Uh, Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny. Yep. Samantha Morton, Colin Farrell, and Tom Cruise. No, uh, Colin Farrell and Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. big director. Um, Colin Farrell and Tom. That is Minority Report. Oh god, Colin Farrell is in it. Yeah, okay, go on. Matt Dillon, Michael Douglas, and Owen Wilson. Uh, oh, Yumi and Dupree. Yes, well yeah, remembered. And lastly, Justin Long, Ben Stiller, and Vince Vaughn. Uh, Dodgeball, yes, an underdog absolutely. story. Yeah. That was round one. I like one. that. That's well good. Done. Yeah. God, it's just when you think the games can't get more intense. I like the fact that we... of all of them, Oppenheimer was the one that. I know. It's just, you. you know what? Like, Rami Malik is in that for 12 seconds. Yeah. But and, he's an Oscar winner. And it, yeah, and I'm like, Florence Pugh. And I, I actually wasn't thinking about Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Fuck Oppenheimer for the cast. Like, there's <laughs> just way too many big stars in that movie. But well, it's great. Okay. Did you enjoy that? I did enjoy that. Okay. We're going to go for round two now. Okay, where well, you're gonna have to guess again. You're gonna have to guess the movie mm-hmm. from the three actors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess the movie from these three actors. Okay. In three, two, one. Olivia Coleman, Rachel Vice, Emma Stone. 
uh, uh, the favorite. Correct. Shailene Woodley, Penelope Cruz, Adam Driver. Uh, oh, it's um, Ferrari. Correct. Jason Bateman, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. Jason Bateman, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. That is recent. Oh, uh, Jason Bateman. Not water. Not solid. Air. Air. Oh my god. Yeah. Olivia Wilde, Harrison Ford, and Daniel Craig. Oh, is it uh, Cowboys and Aliens? Yes, yeah. it is. Well done. Yeah. Alec Baldwin, Steve Martin, and Meryl Streep. Um, it's complicated. Oh, okay. Sally Hawkins, Rowan Atkinson, and Timothy Chalamet. Sally Hawkins, Rowan Atkinson. Oh, uh, uh, Paddington. No. Wonka. Wonka, shit. You Wonka. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson, Brie Larson, and Tom Hiddleston. Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston. Uh... Wrong, Kong oh, Skull Island. Oh. Although, like, technically, you could say the Avengers, say, actually, could you? Say Avengers or Marvels uh, or something. Fair like, enough, that's unfair. Did Loki carry in uh, Marvels? Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Orlando Bloom, Sean Bean, and Brad Pitt. Uh, Troy. Correct. Yeah. Adam Brody, Amanda Seyfried, and Megan Fox. Uh, Jennifer's Body. Correct. Ian McKellen, James Marsden, and Hugh Jackman. Uh, X-Men That's something. Correct. The first one will do. Tom Hardy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Inception. Well done, James. Stumbling on a couple of those God, there. Yeah. Like, what, the, mo the more recent ones are the ones that catch you out. It can be, yeah. Like Wonka. Wonka I just set in the cement of your brain. <laughs> Sally yeah. Hawkins is like, oh, something to do with... <laughs> Rowan Atkinson could have been anything. A sweet, sickly childhood about a British character. That's a good game. I enjoyed that. Thank well, well devised, well crafted. It's like playing the hits of all of the games we played, but a trunk... It's like... Uh, not What's the opposite of a microdose? It's, it's even stronger. Neat. It's a neat yes. version of Caster's Countdown. It kind of feels like my brain is like a world map and you are with your eyes closed with a dart just throwing it and asking yes. me with, with two hands to go to three different places yes. at the same time and then sort of kind of piecing it together. I enjoyed that. It's a good little mental exercise. Those were the games this week, guys, and that was episode 160. If by the time we get to like 500 episodes, you and I aren't the most revised and like well-practiced <laughs> yes. people who the fuck was in each film... I'll be really disappointed if someone's like, was what's a Mason Watson? Like, yes, they were in, uh, gonna, it was Coleman Domingo they, in that 2015 film. They're going to come to <laughs> us when, starring. you know, like 20, 20, Blade Runner 2049 when there's been the blackout and everything has been, they've lost all yeah. online stuff. It's all down to paper. They're going to come to us and be <laughs> yeah. like, you need to fill in the cast list for every movie John that ever Google happened. will knock on the door and be like, this is going to sound really bad. I'm Gary Oogle. We, we lost it. <laughs> we lost everything. We need your help. Yeah. Anyway, there you go, guys. That was a fast, fast, quick cast this countdown. James? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. We really appreciate you spending your time with us. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. Please continue to follow us on Instagram and TikTok. As we say every week now, we're posting more stuff, more new content. stuff, things that content that isn't on the show, our film bites, check those out. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're great fun. Also, it just helps uh, support us. Share it, share clips to your story, like, comment, send it to a friend. It really, really helps us. And leave reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you're listening. It's and really great. Professors, teachers, people who have the ability to display our media in front of a yes. mass influential audience, please lift our, lift our stuff. Put it out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Tell them it's a Essential for their degree, their, their, their exams, that they listen. And if I may sound materialistic, if you happen to be some sort of marketing director sitting on a big fat budget and you're looking for a good podcast to advertise your brand, hey, hey! come on over, well, let's no. have a chat. But until then, guys, have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next week for episode 170 of Pop Kitchen. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.